you almost look like a distant relative of Hank Hill. <laughs> Which is awesome, right? <laughs> who does not want to... I sell prop, I should throw that line in there. I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Bobby, I got propane in my urethra. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL podcast every week. John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers... I don't know what is. And Travis Kura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza is better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook! Welcome to episode 44 of the Two and Out CFL podcast with Fraser and Kara. I guess we need to start by saying thank you. Last week we crossed 20,000 downloads. If we had a dollar for every download, we'd actually be turning a profit on this. Instead, we're still losing horrible, horrible, horrible amounts of money. I would take 10 cents a download. I would also take 10 cents a download. <laughs> 10 cents a download plus our free bomb energy drink. You know, uh, we're doing pretty okay. I'm still playing Pokemon Go a week later. I'm on level uh, 8 now. I just, I, I just, I, okay, you, you of all people. No, and this I, is, I will fully admit, this is not me. You know, or it's not something that I thought I would be into. And I don't think it was something you thought I would be into. No, because generally walking and you aren't really a thing. No, dude, I've walked 14 kilometers in the past two days. I am so sore right now. (laughs) The last time you walked 14 kilometers was probably the BC Grey Cup, and you ended up with a sprained ankle that I definitely told you was going to be okay when it wasn't. So, you know what, I think... We need to give Darian Durant tips on how to get over a sprained ankle because you still managed to walk around Grey Cup a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, that was big news uh, from last week. And uh, we do have a guest joining us on the show uh, this week, Derek Taylor from TSN. Uh, we always love having Derek on uh, Sports Center anchor. See him on your TV a bunch. And as well, his new show, Details, which has got cool and fun facts and cool animations of a bunch of different uh, taking a look at the stats of some of these CFL players and doing it and to me in a really interesting and fun way that's the hardest thing when you talk numbers a yeah. lot of times in this business is making it fun and Derek's done that so we're going to hear all about details we're going to catch up with Derek uh, he's now is he I think him and Jamie Thomas are the only three-time uh, podcast guests yeah we should almost create a badge that they can wear around uh, Toronto oh you mean around the Pokemon gyms <laughs> Is that a thing? Are badges and gyms a thing? I well, just I don't I didn't know. Even me- I wasn't even meaning Pokemon with badges, so you're showing a little bit of nerdiness as well. <laughs> Man, I almost hit a guy in with my car today looking for Pokemon. I'm coming back. <laughs> Max had a doctor's appointment. I'm taking a left-hand turn right by a Tim Hortons. There's some guy with his head down who goes barreling across the intersection despite the fact that the red no-touchy hand was up. I, I have not been hit by a car yet, so I am doing okay. <laughs> we will get to the news brought to you by Bomb Energy. First, get waxed with Brazilian tie. Hey, it's Brazilian tie back for you. Another edition of Getting Waxed here on the 2 and Out CFL podcast. I think it might be pretty obvious what game we're going to look at this week with a 31-7 drubbing by the Tiger Cats over the Alouettes. Before we go there, I can't proceed without once again employing Ryder fans to just stop. I wasn't shocked when on social media following the Rough Riders' 40-27 loss to BC that many fans once again wanted to start to blame Darian Durant. Not for doing anything wrong, but for getting hurt. Now let's be honest, when Durant is healthy, he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and with the receiving corners of Saskatchewan, including Naaman Roosevelt and Rob Begg, it's not a bad combination to have on the offensive side of the ball. If you're going to blame anyone, blame management for not having a consistency plan in place to back up Durant, who's only played 14 games since the Riders won the 2013 Great Cup. Or maybe look at the other side. The defense gave up 40 points. You're not going to win a lot of games with that effort. If you're going to blame a guy because he signed a contract that you think is too expensive for what he provides, you need to take a look in the mirror and rethink your fandom. You don't blame an athlete for signing a bad contract. That's solely on management. So shut the hell up with Durant's fault on social media. It's tired and just simply not true. Anyways, more to the point of my story, Hamilton made the trek to Percival Mosul Stadium in Montreal and laid the boots to the Alouettes. 
which as a Ryder fan, I do love to see. The Owls gave up 208 through the air, 84 on the ground, and lost a cumulative 18 yards on third down. Gave up an average of 5.5 yards on first down. It wasn't all bad. They did win the possession battle with 33-19 of offensive time on the field, but couldn't do much with it. They mustered two Boris Beattie field goals with a ruse thrown in in true 2-0 fashion. Montreal is the dumpster fire we all thought they would be, especially now with the injuries in the receiving core and with Jim Pop calling shots, I don't expect things to improve anytime soon. Unless maybe he learns how to properly manage a salary cap, but that's a story for a different time. You can find me on Twitter at Brazilian underscore Ty, and now that I'm back to work, I have to behave during the week, so I might just be able to be a smartass during the games. Maybe. Anyways, don't run into traffic to catch Pokemon between now and next week's episode, or, you know, you'll end up being the subject for this segment. Now, back to Travis and John and the Tune Out CFL Podcast. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out Podcast. And the news is brought to you by Bomb Energy. Uh, the Bomb of the Week, I-, I think it's almost a mix of two stories, both coming from Toronto, both not very positive. 12,000 people. Mm, I think there's another one here as a representative of Western Canada. Oh, Okay, okay. Well, what do you got? My bomb of the week to me would be, yet again, a sense of deja vu here in the province of Saskatchewan. And I thought I about going with that. I did think about going with Darian Durant, but he's not done for the year. So that's why I, that's why no, I passed and, on and, and that's fair, but I just think you combine what really was an optimistic season in Ryderville. Yeah. You look at the new faces. You, you had guys like me and Rod Peterson predicting good things. And now they're losing their starting quarterback. In week three, essentially, they're 0-3. The wheels are – it's starting to really seem like a sense of deja vu. There is some optimism. We'll ask Derek a little bit about maybe if the riders should have some optimism. I mean, I really like what Mitchell Gale did when he came in. He looked far better than Britt Smith or the official quarterback of the two-and-out CFL podcast, (laughs) Tino Sinceri. But I just – to, and maybe it's because I live in Saskatchewan and I'm surrounded by it. That did seem to me like the bomb of the week. But either way, we recording this on a Tuesday evening, uh, releasing on a Wednesday morning. He was at walkthrough, kind of throwing a ball around, but not running the first team offense. I would say, if you have him in fantasy, I would, I don't know. I'd, I'd A, it's a tough matchup, and B, He's either going to be playing hurt or not playing at all. Even Chris Jones apparently said in his media scrum, he Darian has to prove to him he's ready to go for Friday. I'm wondering if Chris uh, is just playing a little bit of mind games with Ottawa, uh, saying ah he'll be ready to go, or, or he's unlikely to go, he's questionable, uh, because Ottawa will obviously be game planning for uh, Darian. And you, you saw Mitchell Gale, he had success when he first came into the game against uh, BC Lions and uh, Wally Buono until they made their halftime adjustments. So maybe that's the thinking. He's a very secretive guy. You, you never know what he's actually thinking. No, and that's fair, and he doesn't drop a lot of information or knowledge, and that's his right. And as long as the CFL continues to have an outdated injury policy, I mean, yep. we're not really going to know what a guy's status is. And, I mean, I know it's a frustration, and we've spoken to some daily fantasy players on both sides of the border who are now, you know, following us and listening to this. And, and it's it, it, hey, guys, it's as frustrating for us as, as, as it is you, and we've been around this league our whole lives. So um, it's... It'll be interesting to see if that as a whole changes down the road, but I wouldn't expect to see Durant. I wouldn't on uh, on Friday night. It's a short week. I I, yeah. I just I, I can't see it. So what was uh, what did you have selected as the bombs of the week, Travis Curra? Well, and maybe it was because I'm going to the Grey Cup, and, uh, and and maybe it was because of all the positivity coming out of Toronto's home opener at BMO Field. It just seems like. I don't want to say lost momentum, and I, I know Larry Tannenbaum and the new owners are committed long-term to get fans back in the stands in Toronto, and I'm very hesitant to talk about the negative side of things because I found that it was a little too negative talking about the attendance in Toronto, and so many great things were missed because people on social media spent time complaining about the attendance. Well, 
I do think, though, this is nothing new for Toronto, though. You and I have both been to Toronto decade, uh, Grey Cups within the past decade. I went to 2007, and I've got the ticket still up in a little frame on my refrigerator, and I was in a quarter end zone seat, and it cost me at that time 300 bucks. Yeah, you know, and I, well, and I, I mean, I I sat lower bowl and I paid four fifty in twenty twelve, and that's yeah, so, not a that's not cheap. No, exactly. I mean, I, you and I both sat lower bowl in Toronto within the past ten years, and it was both it, it was a lot of money. I think this is just the going rate for Toronto Grey Cups. I know a lot of the new season ticket holders aren't happy, but I mean, as well, you're a guy who's paid for a lot more Grey Cup tickets than I have. Compared to the cost of season tickets, I, I mean, the famous line of buddy of mine who's an Eskimo season ticket holder said, you know what? My season tickets are as much as my Grey Cup ticket. And that's just kind of the way it goes, it seems, these days. Like, am I, am I off base saying that, that the whole season is almost as expensive as your one uh, ticket for the Grey Cup game? It seems to be that way in Toronto. In Saskatchewan, I sat upper deck on the 45-yard line. I paid 350 bucks, and that that was cheaper than my season ticket by uh, quite a bit. Uh, yeah. the, the other Grey Cups, I try to sit in the end zone and pay, you know, 180 because it's just getting a little too much money uh, for, for me to spend. But it's when you see the top price at $900, that is those comfy BMO seats that are like right on the sideline. Yeah, so, yeah. So those yeah, are basically you're, you're VIP. like right in the auction action. Yeah, yeah, it's like the VIP seats at the Grey Cup. So I guess that is warranted, but last year, I mean 50 yard line lower bowl it was 560 bucks in Winnipeg. Yeah. So it it maybe it's because of the smaller venues that we're having these Grey Cups in now. It's just interesting though that that you're seeing such a jump in a place that has been I could almost I could understand a jump like this if you were for example the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or Calgary Stampeders or or even 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 if they had it at Tim Hortons Field you know you could almost see that these real passionate fan bases and as you said you're trying to you're, you're trying to reintroduce a Grey Cup to a new building to a city that's essentially not known the Irish have existed for the better part of a decade now the thing that that I find more unusual is the availability of Grey Cup tickets because it's sounding like we're just hearing some talk that that's a bit of an issue. I mean, we're the same guys that that told told our listeners about that the fact that a Toronto Argos season ticket rep phoned you to buy season tickets in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, and there's no chance I was going uh, to no. do that at, at all. Uh, but. I mean, they say there's going to be less than 40,000 seats this year, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. There is some $170 tickets in the end zone. I'm sure there's not going to be many of them, uh, but that's you know that's the price range I'm looking at. And, and then again, some people are traveling across Canada, uh, yeah, and, and they're to paying stay in a, to stay in a city that is quite expensive to stay in too. Yeah, so you're paying a premium. For your flight, what's worth more to you, your ticket or your transportation? So if you kind of look at it that way. But but on the same note, it's almost at a point where this Toronto Grey Cup is starting to sound to me like it's dangerously on the cusp of becoming like a Super Bowl. And I mean that in the sense that... The Grey Cup has always been accessible for everybody, right? Oh, for sure. You, you can drive, you can fly, you can get to a city, you can stay there for a week. You know, and is it is it harmful on the wallet? Absolutely. Is it like you have to make serious financial decisions because of it? No. You save a little bit of money, you can go to a Grey Cup if you budget and you do it right. Now, all the talk we're hearing, I do remember the last Grey Cup I was at in Toronto, it was very expensive to go to the different parties, and it was very expensive to go... You know, and drink and eat and have a great time and and stay in the hotels. It's just everything we're hearing. It's almost like the CFL and the Toronto Argonauts are starting to turn this into a bit of a Super Bowl where you're going to see less of your token Grey Cup fan, a a guy like you or or Brazilian Ty who goes to a pile of them or our countless listeners that go to a pile of them. And I think you're going to see more, you know, that... Everybody makes a joke, the old guy in suit kind of atmosphere that you see at Toronto Maple Leafs games where everybody's flaunting how much money they have. So I hope this doesn't start a trend where the Grey Cup becomes less and less accessible. Yeah. But that's my fear is that it could do that because that's what it – I mean, I, I like any remote chance 
And the chances were so remote. We're talking I would need a serious financial windfall to fall into my life to even be able to go this year at regular pricing. Any remote chance is absolutely dead and gone of me going to this Grey Cup. Because, like you mentioned, your flights, okay, living in Saskatoon, flights to Toronto aren't exactly cheap. You're probably looking, what, 1000 bucks. Yeah, I, I got... <sighs> I would say, well, now, now we're getting closer to the date. Probably seven fifty, eight hundred. So return flights, you know, plus your baggage fees now, plus your carry-ons, plus this, plus that, plus your airport parking. You know, let's call transportation a thousand bucks, plus getting around yeah. Toronto. Now all of a sudden you're a week in hotel in Toronto, which is there's another thousand bucks, and now you're five hundred to a thousand for your game ticket. That's before you buy yourself a freaking sandwich or one single wobbly pop. Like we're talking, you know, this went from a a trip a guy, a couple guys could, and I mean there will be people. I mean this is the plight of the Western. Canadian. I'm sure there's going to be lots of great Ticats fans that are and Red Blacks fans that make the drive from Ottawa and Hamilton, but you know, it's almost like this is going to be a truly Eastern Grey Cup, because I just think as a Western Canadian, it's going to be I don't know if a guy like me can afford it. Okay, John, 30 seconds. What do you make of uh, 12,000 people in the stands for the Ottawa-Toronto game last week? Um... When does my 30 seconds start? I hope it didn't start with the um. Right now. Um, okay. <laughs> Busy night in Toronto. It's a pain in the arse to get around that city. You, you, What was that? The third home? The second home game at BMO or the third? I think it was the second. They had all kinds of construction you know, that made it even tougher to get there. But I, like, I'm not making excuses, but you're trying to reinvigorate a fan base. And you stick them this great debut game on a on a weekend or near a weekend. It's great. And then you put game two on a Wednesday night in the middle of construction, in the middle of the indie up against the – there's concerts and stuff in the area. You know what? If you sold a Wednesday game at Mosaic Stadium, barely anybody would go. Commonwealth, Calgary, it's just – Wednesday's just not a good night for football. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to get in there after the All-Star game, uh, the but, baseball, but, but I, I don't see, know what. And that's what I see what they were doing. I'd love to see the TV numbers. Yeah. Because to me, playing those games from a TV perspective on Wednesday and Thursday was an absolute home run. I commend the league for doing that. That is a genius move by the league. You are essentially the only thing in the sports calendar north or south of the border. I don't watch award shows. So I had no, I didn't, my give a damn was broken on the ESPYs. I just, I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, so instead, you have a spot where your two of your games are on two nights north and south of the border, and that's it. From a TV and marketing perspective, amazing idea. From a getting around Toronto perspective, not so great. Honestly, I think one of the best places to hold a Wednesday game, and as a guy who's been to many games, Commonwealth Stadium might be the easiest, one of the easiest stadiums to get to in the CFL. All right, let's talk uh, some injuries for you DFS players before we bring Derek Taylor uh, from TSN on. As far as the riders go, I mean, the official word is that Brendan Labatt and Shamad Chambers will miss the game against Ottawa. Uh, Justin Cox, the DB, will play. Uh, Darian Durant and Chris Best are uh, questionable in uh, Calgary. Joe West is out this week, uh, according to Dave Dickinson. Greg Wilson was practicing in his place at receiver. Uh, Nick Moore needed an MRI on his knee after celebrating a touchdown against Saskatchewan. So (laughs) that is the Martin Grammatica uh, celebration (laughs) where you celebrate something and bum your knee. Uh, You don't like seeing that, but at the same time, it's... Come on, man. And then in Winnipeg, uh, Ryan Smith is out a few weeks. Thomas Mayo is back in. He had a good game a few weeks ago. Uh, Trayvon Van preparing to return in Ottawa. He's a few weeks away. And Bear Woods might actually miss this game for uh, Montreal. Does that make Brandon Whitaker uh, a good play for the Argos? Well, he's been coming on of late. I would, uh, and he's actually a uh, pretty good value so i would uh, i would consider it i haven't built my lineups yet but i do think Whitaker is going to have a, a good game if bear woods is, but if bear woods is in um he he probably won't because bear woods is kind of amazing yeah and i i do think uh andrew harris i know it goes without saying he's touching the ball a lot in calgary uh taylor reed is going to miss the game there's a there's a lot of injuries on the defensive line as well maybe they will be able to get harris going early in the game uh for the bombers and when they get down they throw it to him anyway so maybe that is 
<laughs> that is a good play for uh, Winnipeg if you're a DFS player. Let's get to our guest, Derek Taylor from TSN. And we are joined by the host, creator, genius, and all of that stuff behind the feature details in the CFL on TSN. We've always touted his numbers and his math acumen for a very long time, Mr. Derek Taylor of TSN. Uh, Derek, first off, I mean, Travis and I, I, I'm going to speak for him for a moment. We're both huge fans of the show. I just wanted to know, how does that come to be, and what's the creative process behind launching something new like that? Well, so you guys know I've had these, been working these numbers for quite some time, and so we we expanded them this season, and uh, it was late last year where I said, you know what, we should... I can do these for a full year. Let's let's see if we can make this a thing on SportsCenter. So probably in March, like February or March, there were one of the producers came to me and said, hey, you know, I'm taking over the, well, looking after the CFL stuff this year. Let's make your thing into a regular segment. Confab a couple other producers. We have a we have an associate producer, Poria, who does the, all the graphics and, and stuff. It basically has the, the feel and the look of the of the segment. Yeah, Br- brought him in. I sent him. I had a couple of scripts ready to go. I sent him one. He's like, "I got the perfect program for this. I have a buddy who can do these animations." So Chad Owens in a Hawaiian shirt is going to look outstanding. Yeah, and uh, so it, I mean, essentially, it's it, it. It all comes from my numbers and my scripts. But then you turn it over to Poria, our our associate producer, and he and his uh, his buddy and our editors just make it shine from there. I was going to ask, how does it feel to, you almost look like a distant relative of Hank Hill. <laughs> Which is awesome, right? <laughs> who does not want to, I sell propane, I should throw that line in there, I sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> Bobby, I got propane in my urethra. Like, it would be, honest to goodness, I'm writing that down for future years that I look, because yeah, my, uh, my wife, my wife saw that, right? And, uh, you guys, uh, you guys can imagine. The first thing she said is, "You have to get them to change that immediately." I'm like, what do you mean? like, it makes you look fat. Oh, I kind of am, right? Like, so it, it was accurate, if not flattering. It was at least accurate. So the next thing we're going to do is, you all of us are going to get together. We're going to sit out by a couch in somebody's backyard, and I tell you what, dang old Derek, you just keep on talking about that CFL number, man. You know, I tell you what. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, and we can start. You can start spouting off uh, uh, conspiracy theories and Black Hawk with spots and Black Hawk helicopters. <laughs> Taste the meat, not the heat. <laughs> God, we'll go all the way down it. It'll be awesome. I uh, to go to. If uh, I will give you guys the heads up when I figure out how to get Hank Hill into this thing, because that's, <laughs> that's going to be amazing. Please, please do. We absolutely cannot wait. The one man who's, uh, and this is going to sound terrible, I thought this would be a better transition, but whose meat we've been tasting instead of the heat has been... This is absolutely <laughs> awful. Where is this going to be? <laughs> this is, what I was going to try to transition into is, can you tell us how meaty goodness Chris Williams' season has been? Then I realized it just went completely off the rails and sounded weird. So thankfully, we've known each other a bit, so I can get away with that. But <laughs> you, you do the numbers. It's, you featured him not too long ago uh, on the details. Can you just talk about how good Chris Williams has been? Well, he was so good that I had an epic idea for that week three uh, details. And I'm like, no, Chris Williams has had too amazing a start. I have to push that to the side and, and go with this one. And, and it's it's unbelievable, right? Because we, we, it, this is exactly what we knew he would be back in 2011 with the Ticats, and then he left for the NFL because they knew he had this kind of potential. Like over 550 yards already is amazing. Just touchdowns coming up the yin yang, and to me, the yards are, the yards are obviously very impressive. You know, no, only a couple of the guys are over 400 yards, but to me, the fact that he dropped 14 passes last year. He dropped the ball on hitches. He dropped the ball on deep. He dropped so many balls last year, and this year his hands are so much better. Whatever it is, his focus is so improved that only five passes that have gone his way have fallen incomplete for various reasons, and that is a remarkable catch rate for for him, and you're seeing the benefits of it. Like, they send him deep, touchdown. They send him on a post, touchdown. But then, like we said in those detailed segments, 
It's also the fear of the speed. When, when they played Edmonton and he was lined up against Patrick Watkins, who's a dynamite corner, he hit him with six hook patterns, and there's, there's 70 yards right there. That You know what? It's not just the speed. It's if I can make you afraid of it, now I can do so many other things. No, and you're absolutely bang on. I, I know one thing that you, that you track very diligently, and I, I don't want to give it away too much, or I'm sure it's been a plan for future shows, is, is catches, drops, catch rates, things like that. Is there anybody, like I'm thinking of maybe like a guy like Ricky Collins in Saskatchewan that's that's jumped out to you at least early on this season for improving his, uh, getting rid of his dropsies? Uh, well, I mean, Williams was number two in drops. He's only got two this year. Adarius Bowman so far is much better, right? Like yep. he's he's only dropped one ball this year, and it was a, I, if I, I remember it just being pretty easy. And I'm like, oh, there's Adarius again. But mm-hmm. when you've been target, targeted 36 times and you've dropped one, he is he's looking so much better. The, a guy who surprised me the other way is Manny Arsenal, who dropped mm-hmm. two balls all of last year and has already put two on the turf this year. Interesting. Like Bowman, who with 21 drops, ugh, was he was our first details, right? He was the yep. you take the, the good with the bad, but he's been, he's been a lot better too. We'll see how it holds up. You know, they both have 14 and 15 games left, respectively. We'll see how it holds up. Let's talk about the, the return game because Brandon Banks, the, man. man, if he can keep this pace up, is he, <laughs> is he Gizmo? Well, when they when the, we threw up that board during the during the tie cats game, yeah. right? You saw how many touchdowns Gizmo had. Come on, <laughs> like, yeah. it's that is that's virtually an unassailable record because Banks will probably just kind of you know be tired of playing football after a while. <laughs> but those, I mean, they how badly did they need that touchdown this oh. past week? Because their offense, like when you're getting outshone by Raheem Cato, who for me is a top 15 quarterback of the CFL. Like you are, you are doing poorly. I see what you did there and I like it. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. He's, uh, he's no Mitch Gale, which yikes, but yeah, no, uh, that's such a, it's such a nice weapon. It's, they haven't been able to figure out how to get him in really on the offense, which is kind of, we all kind of hope is the next step. They'll throw him some balls and they'll, They'll throw him some hitches, but he's got, I mean, nine catches for 109 yards. You might think there could be more there, but that said, Hamilton has no shortage of weapons at receiver. If they get Zach back, they're going to they're gonna win the Grey Cup. And that's almost like what we saw when Chris Williams was in Hamilton, and now he's in Ottawa. He can't get things done on the returns, but on offense, he's, he's going crazy. I'd be interested to see uh, Gizmo and Brandon Banks, both of their stats with uh, returns that have been called back because, yeah. I mean, Banks did it in the Grey Cup, and uh, he seems just about every second return he's got is getting called back. Yeah, which, I mean... I, once, once to me, once a penalty happens, I just stop paying attention right. to it. Yep. The one in the Grey Cup, if he doesn't get that block in the spine, he doesn't break that. So yeah. to me, he wasn't really robbed of anything. He was going to be tackled at, at, at best, and at worst, he was going to be slowed down dramatically and swallowed up. So I just kind of stopped paying attention to those once. Once a guy gets called for hitting somebody in the back, but stop hitting people in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seems to happen. Green, stop hitting people in the face. Stole oh, that, that touchdown how, return from Fog, right? How bad was that? And the funniest thing is, is he didn't need to block him. He didn't need to block him in the face. I mean, if you want to give a guy a little something, something, I get it. But you turn around and basically get, do the old Three Stooges with a yak 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 and poke him in the eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, Fog was five yards clear and about to just—he could have crawled into the end zone. And for whatever reason, Green thought, "I'm I'm going to stiff this guy in the mask." That's just. <laughs> Uh, as, I, as I put on Twitter, that's just that's an early contender for just the dumbest penalty of the year. But <laughs> you, you get it's in the moment, right? You're caught up in the moment. No, exactly. That you know, the only thing I can think of when that happened, I thought to myself, I'm like, that is so Winnipeg, and that has been Winnipeg since 1990, and that that summarizes all of it. Um, I had another completely random question that I won't try to butcher with a slightly sexual innuendo that it comes across. Um, why does Chris Milo love the post so much, Derek? I, that might be... I saw lots of people on Twitter going nuts. They're like, oh my god, TSN had this graphic, and I'm like, is it coincidence that Derek was on the desk that night? I think not. Oh, no, it's, it's no coincidence at all. A couple of, a couple of guys, uh, one had said, 
does Milo hit the post more than anybody? And then someone included me in the Twitter conversation. And if you if you put something like that that, that out there, it just gets stuck in my brain until I find <laughs> out the answer. So I go to my file and I just type in uh, upright, and then I start hand counting every person who's hit the upright since two thousand like the two thousand eight season to this week. And yeah, Milo was with nine was the leader in that one. And so it's I don't. He couldn't do it. Someone from like C, you know CPD Ottawa needs to go and say, "Okay, Chris, uh, we want you to kick ten balls. See how many times you can hit the upright." Because yep. he probably can't, right? But <laughs> nope. there he is, doink doink, and it's it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Derek, it's almost unprecedented this year, the rate at which road teams are winning in the CFL. It seems like if you're playing pick and you're picking home teams like I have been, you're doing terribly and you're kind of getting embarrassed by everybody else in the 2-0 and out, uh, podcast league. Um, what do you think has been some of the mojo to success? I mean, you've been around football a real long time. You know, What's what's going on with these road teams? Is this just a law of averages that's going to balance itself out by the end of the regular season? I think it has to. It may, I mean, it may be, end up being a year that's slightly slanted toward road teams more than it should be. But uh, but home teams are gonna are gonna make their revival, right? Like, yeah. you're not gonna. Hamilton isn't the team that came to Toronto and beat them in week one. Like, they're not no. near as good as they showed in that week, right? And uh, Saskatchewan can't lose every game at home, and the and the, the Bombers will pull something out. Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I keep finding reasons to hate Drew Willie, but the numbers don't support it. But we'll talk about that later. I, it's just so weird that it's so slanted to the road teams, but you just, you just have to believe, right, that home field is an advantage. And like Hamilton, uh, when Kalaros returns, will be, will just, they'll just win them all at home. They'll be fine. Uh, Ottawa, who's going to be Ottawa, period. Yeah, uh, and and bad teams are going to like. Does anybody expect Montreal to win, whether they're at home or on the road? No, because nope. everybody's hurt. And we bring up uh, Drew Willie. I mean, uh, if he could play like he does in the fourth quarter, it seems like uh, they'd be a dynamite team. <laughs> I I was trying to. I'm looking. Been looking at that for for a detailed segment because I mean he gets a lot of his yards in the fourth quarter. But I, I so I have a, a, a board that. Basically, it's any. It eliminates stats when the game is beyond 16 points because okay. to me that's just garbage time, and we move on. But Willie, Willie still gets most of his stats when the game is within two scores. Like his interception, like he's what six touchdowns and one pick. Uh, pardon me, five and three. Pardon me, I'm thinking of somebody else. He's five and three, but all three of those interceptions have come when the game's out of touch. So when he's within two scores, he's three touchdowns, no interceptions completing 71%. I, I'm trying to find a reason to jump off the Drew Willie bandwagon. Yeah. I, honestly, I from a statistical perspective, I can't find it. His accuracy is fourth best in the league behind Ray, Riley, and Harris. Like, that's, that's nothing to complain about, except it just, when you see it, it just looks so bad. Yep. So bad. So is he becoming... The Larry Murphy, I guess, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a team that's been a perpetual loser that's getting blamed. He's getting the blame for realistically no fault of his own. He's, I mean, he's got to be at fault to some to some extent. They, yeah, it'd be it'd be great if they threw the ball deeper because they're. I mean, they're not Montreal, but they're not hucking the ball down the field by any stretch. Those Bombers, but to some extent, that is who can get open downfield. Yeah. And, and can you protect me long enough to get open downfield? Because uh, as I as I count, you know, linemen who give up pressure, there's a lot more from Suk Chung and Stanley Bryant than I would like to see. I had one of I had a video clip of Suk Chung just getting just punked by the uh, punked by a defensive tackle, and I thought, oh, this is this is not going real well for him. Uh, yeah, that Eskimo fella made him look pretty silly. <laughs> well, a, a lot of Eskimos have been there. A lot of players have been making that blue bomber offensive line look silly, which is why I publicly renounced my fandom about two, three weeks ago, whenever it was. And you know what? It's been very uh, not stressful for me this CFL season, although I think there is some stress in Regina. Is there any hope? What have you seen? Uh, do the fancy stats and your numbers and your math tell you that? 
I mean, Darian Durant injury notwithstanding that Jones keeps saying, and everybody here in this province is going, this is a good team, this is a good team, we're going to be fine. Is there anything you can say that can give them a shred of hope, Mr. Taylor? Um, your defense is a hot pile of steamy garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that gives you a ton of hope, but... Uh, no. If you can clean that up a little bit, it's not as bad as Montreal's, but if you can clean that up a little bit, uh, if Darian Durant, like, you had to be impressed with Mitch Gale, right? Like Mitch, I mean, for a guy we didn't know anything about, he looked all yep. he looked all right. Yeah, yep. Two forty-seven and a touchdown's not too bad either. I mean, the stat line was good. He looked good. Curtis Curtis Steele had ten yards rushing. There's a bit of a problem there as well. A lot. I mean, a lot of teams do not commit to running the ball at all for a variety of reasons, but. You, you look to the receiving core, I think, I think very highly of Naaman Roosevelt. Yep. Uh, Ricky Collins had two amazing catches, two, uh, two, uh, one good and one amazing catch two weeks ago. Yep. He, Rob Bag doesn't get a ton of work, but he does good stuff. John Childs is fine. Um, I mean, you just, I don't know, I'm, I'm surprised their offensive line hasn't statistically graded out as well, as, as good as they did last year, but that's there's so many factors that go into that. The defense is going to improve under Chris Jones, right? Everybody yeah. knows that. We like the sun will rise tomorrow over the you know over the plains. Rick, uh, Chris Jones will put together a better defense, and it's coming. It's watching former Saskatchewan guys like some of his castoffs rip it up in other markets makes me go yeah. really. You had to yeah. get rid of John Chick because that guy is killing it in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, he's been unbelievable in Hamilton. It's almost like that put it. I mean, John Chick is like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the universe who plays such a mean position. It's like that put a chip in his shoulder, and he's been dominating in Hamilton. Uh, as far as the season's going. What is the biggest surprise to you so far? I know I'm not surprised that Ottawa's uh, undefeated, yes, with with the tie in there, with a little bit of kissing your sister action. But to me, the biggest surprise so far has been BC leading the West Division at 3-1. and one. I wasn't high on them, and they're quickly making me eat my socks. Uh, what's the biggest early surprise to you, Derek? Uh, you know what? I have to – I mean, BC being number one is – BC, despite Jonathan Jennings not being very good to me, is very surprising because I was, I was very high on Jennings after last season with what he did compared to the other rookie quarterbacks. I thought he was going to be on a rocket ride to the moon, and he yep. is, he's spraying the ball all over the field. Uh, he, they managed to pull one out in uh, Saskatchewan, make a nice little comeback. That was good. Uh, I, this, that's, I mean, and they lost some, some receivers. Like, when they lost uh, LaBelle Hawkins this offseason, when yep. he, Hawkins decided to retire, I thought, oh, that guy is, a, that guy is one of the best uh, boundary-wide receiver weapons that the CFL had last year. Yeah. And yeah. The, he just retired. And they lost Austin Colley, too, but that's much less of a, of a penalty. And Arsenault hasn't been going great guns, and yet it all um, – it's been working for them very well. I've enjoyed Craig Rowe's work up front for them. Uh, obviously, Elamimian and uh, Adam Bighill are, are very nice in, in the defense. Uh, they're surviving Richie Leone's questionable kicking. So, uh, BC to me is a, is a is a real surprise. I I don't know that I thought Ottawa was going to be as good as they have been because uh, they lost two running backs before you know in the preseason and then in week one. Yeah, and they pulled Nick Grigsby off the pit, and Nick. Is, <laughs> when you're watching the games, right, the Grigsby is hurt every fourth play. Yeah. He got nicked in something. You're yeah, like, dang, how how are they doing this? And and they're a short passing team, and Trevor Harris is completing 83 percent of his passes. That oh. won't go forever, but yeah. no, it's working pretty good right now. Now, uh, Derek, before we let you go, I will be in Toronto for the Great Cup this November. I have to ask. Uh, where are Holy the best? Crap, you're rich. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, right? I, I might not be at the game. I might not be at the game. But I'll, okay. be, I'll be in Toronto. I, I do have to ask where are the best spots to find Pokemon in Toronto. Oh, <laughs> good lord! Who on earth? No. Honestly, I. I, I can't get too preachy about Pokemon, but I, it's not for me. Let's say that. If you want to be outside and Pokemon, I'm I'm too busy inside working on my Sim City to get preachy about Pokemon. So, did, you, did you guys see that story from USA Today that uh, an Alabama coach found one on Nick Saban's desk? No. 
There's wow. a Pikachu sitting on Nick Saban's desk in his office, and no one will ever get that one because I don't think Nick Saban gives two rats about Pokemon Go. That's a, that to me is amazing. More because. Can you imagine someone bringing up Pokemon? It'd be like bringing up Pokemon to Chris Jones. Like Chris, there's a Pokemon sitting in your, sitting in between the the linebackers and the safety. I don't care. Like, care. Apparently, they're having a Pokemon Go party at the Eskimos game this Saturday. They, hey, strike while the iron's hot, right? Oh like, yeah. I don't get it, but it's beyond. I also don't get the Big Bang Theory, but people. Love that thing too. So, uh, you know, I'm good on the Eskimos for for capitalizing on that. That's good stuff. And that's why they're going to be runner up in the Grey Cup. <laughs> oh, I like the predictions coming out. As a guy who also doesn't get the Big Bang Theory, it's nice to hear there's others out there like us, uh, Derek. Now, the next, the real serious question with Travis, what I thought he was going to ask you <laughs> is. Where's the best place to have a pierogi eat-off in Toronto featuring six or seven defense, uh, offensive linemen? And uh, I think you should come along as our guest MC if everything works because I won't be there, so Travis needs a replacement at MC. You can MC with Travis, but where can you find pierogies <laughs> and where can you find a place to have an eat-off? Wow, there are I, – I have not yet found a ton of pierogi places. We found some really good ones. We were out in Port Perry. It's about 45, 50 minutes uh, out east and north of Toronto. It's a yep. beautiful little lake community. And they were, someone was having their, uh, just basically demoing their, their homemade pierogi line. And they were amazing. Yeah. Hmm. Might have been the two feet of butter they were soaking in, but they were amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, they were then, uh, they were then $11 a dozen, which made them less amazing in my mind, but they were pretty, <laughs> substantial i'm still i'm still looking because i don't know you take potato and pack some cheese in it and stuff it in dough and you wouldn't think so but that is oh that is a little slice of heaven right there <laughs> well uh, I, I tell you what there mr Derek taylor thank you for coming on the show there and you know what you found us some dang old brogies man and we're gonna go, 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 go <laughs> get away from my grill <laughs> Bobby, get your hand out of your pants <laughs> i uh, Oh God! I have to, and he's got to pull out the the King of the Hill theme song and have my little guy spin around. Uh, I gotta make this Hank Hill thing go. I can't do it this week on uh, on Darian Durant in third down, but uh, I gotta find a way. You guys are you guys are an inspiration. I I can't wait to see it, Derek. Uh, we will let you go. How can people? Obviously, we've talked about details a lot. Can you tell us when it airs? Can you tell us when people can get more of you? Because we're both we're both big fans you we love your work and we like to see as much dt as we can get in our eye holes yeah so the, the detail segments they go up on tsn.ca you can just google Derek taylor details cfl and it'll, it'll link you to a darius bowman or name on rose name and roosevelt or any of the past ones usually it's thursday friday on sports center depending on and then it'll be during the cfl broadcast as well or you can always follow me on twitter at dt on sc Derek, one of our favorites uh, on the podcast. Thanks a lot for coming on. And uh, here's here's hoping you find us good pierogi so we can actually ho- hold this dang old thing. <laughs> oh, that'd be that'd be fantastic. Guys. All right, thanks again to Derek coming on. I I almost broke when we were talking the King of the Hill, man. Okay, the minute the Hank Hill reference came out. Because, again, you and I were talking off air. We're like, you know what? We know Derek. We know he's got a great sense of humor. He's a great guy. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. We're like, how is he going to take being basically told he looks like Hank Hill? Um, it couldn't have gone any better. I had the giggles. I had to stifle. My my sides actually hurt. Um, from, and, and, okay, I'm going to have the giggles for the rest of the podcast now, too. What, what did you make about the Drew Willie comments Derek had to say? Um, I, you know what? I'm, I'm like Derek. Uh, just, I don't do the math or the hard work. I just read what Derek <laughs> says and enjoy it. Um, I believe a lot in, in the numbers and statistically Drew Willie is not having a bad season at all. And he's better than most alternatives that are out there. I think it's just Drew Willie's had a couple of those famous passes at the knees of Weston Dressler that stick out to the eye, right? Cause it's yeah. that, you know, Let's face it, if a guy misses high and it's not intercepted, nobody really talks about it. But when you're missing a guy at the knees who's, you know, five foot seven. He's wink, pretty low wink, to the ground. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah, it's already pretty low to the ground. So I I still think that Willie is the best option that Winnipeg has. 
I, I forget where I read it, and, and I do this a lot, where I forget where I read things, and I mean to cite them, and I want to give poor upper credit, but I forget. Um, I read a great article pointing out that, let's not forget, Drew Willie was the third pick of the Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea regime. He was, they yeah. Won. Zach Caleros was one, Henry Burris was two, and Drew Willie was three. And then, as well, when Trevor Harris was a free agent, Winnipeg didn't even think about going after him, which I, I believe I said I thought they should have. I yeah, mean, check, and- I mean, check the tapes. I mean, if anybody's checked the tapes lately and I didn't say that, I apologize. But I just thought it would have been a good idea. Now, there's another one that's, that's kind of passed them by. I think Willie will bounce back. I think, as Derek mentioned, um, looking at – there's no way to track blocking stats unless you follow Derek, and he, he reveals that he uh, from time to time on his Twitter feed. That Bombers or O-line has looked like a pumice stone or Swiss cheese. It's just guys are getting through there, and I don't know what you can expect to do when, when guys are going at your quarterback the whole time. Let's uh, quickly go through the games uh, for the expose. Time for the fantasy expose on the two and out podcast. All right, quickly, let's just talk about one or two players uh, from each team. Uh, It seems like the minute we say, uh, well, you can't have a lineup without Chris Williams, he has a human game. Six catches, 63 yards. But how about Greg Ellingson? Nine catches, 218 yards. He now leads the CFL in yak. And is he the hardest guy in the league or maybe the hardest receiver in the league outside of Nick Lewis to tackle? Well, here's the hard thing, too, with with the Ottawa receiving core. You know Williams is going to, at the very least, be exceptional to yeah. amazing. But on the same note, it's like there is going to be another guy someplace that goes off at some point. And that's part of the crapshoot that is the CFL. Um, I think he might be extremely hard to tackle, which also g- leads to a lot of yak y- yards. I don't think Ellingson is ever a bad play. No. It's just it's a matter, is it going to be Ellingson or is it going to be Brad Sinopoli? Because Sinopoli's catch is hurt because Ellingson went off. You know, Ernest Jackson's there as well. So they're all good options. It's just a matter of gambling and trying to figure out which one's the best. As for Toronto, Ricky Ray continues to look average. Uh, Human. But- yeah, uh, human. Let's let, let's go uh, with that. But Brandon Whitaker is – it's almost been like a resurgence in his career, I think. He's getting 16 touches a game, and they're getting him involved both with rushing and in the receiving game. Yeah, but only five for 18 yards on the yeah. ground again. That's got to stay – it's kind of like Andrew Harrison, Winnipeg. you got to expect that to get a little bit better. Uh, six for 54 – uh, through the air with a touchdown, so he did put up some some decent points. Uh, Kenny Shaw, leading receiver for uh, Toronto with uh, seven grabs, ninety four yards. Uh, and just before we close this, close uh, out on this game, I got to say, Trevor Harris, twenty eight of thirty one, three ninety two. You got to think Henry Burris's job is 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 gone when he yeah. comes back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how they take the job away from uh, Trevor Harris. If you go back to last season, Harris was throwing a lot of interceptions. Not this year. He he seems to have solved that so far uh, this year. And as for Toronto, oh, on DraftKings, I had recommended Phil Bates. He got the start, and uh, the touchdown would have saved it. But yep. there was a penalty called back. <laughs> so so you almost look like, well, that's all right. I recommended Ricky Collins, and how did that go? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that soon enough. Uh, Edmonton beat Winnipeg 20-16. to It was a close game uh, throughout the game. Uh, and Mike Riley continue like I don't get how you throw nearly 500 passing yards and you score 20 points. It's 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 a bend but don't break defense in Winnipeg yeah. these days. Two touchdowns, 32 of 45, 465. Uh, because <laughs> another large thing that they did is they basically said, you know what, the run's not working tonight. Let's not use it. John White leading rusher, 10 for 23. So a disappointing game there. Adarius Bowman, Darrell Walker. Again, either one of these guys are going to have big games week in, week out. Always safe bets in daily fantasy. Yeah, and uh, Edmonton couldn't get the running game going at all. Winnipeg, actually, I thought had a good showing uh, for the front seven on defense. The secondary, a little bit of a different story. Basically the same story with Edmonton. Good front seven, kind of a questionable secondary, uh, but Winnipeg couldn't really take advantage of that in this game. No, they couldn't. A lot of stuff was underneath Andrew Harris. Five catches, 88. 
Uh, he also had nine rushes for 22 yards. And Drew Willie, like I said, some ugly-looking passes, some mistakes, two interceptions, one touchdown, and 299 passing. Still, I... <sighs> I feel better about him. I feel like there's a corner to turn, and I feel like he's the best option to Winnipeg, but I'm still not buying him on Daily Fantasy yet. Yeah, watch out for Thomas Mayo. He might be a cheap value option for you uh, this week. Uh, he last played when Dressler missed uh, action a couple weeks ago. He had five targets, five catches, 78 yards. He might get you uh, some good value points this week. Now, <laughs> the ugliest game of the week. <laughs> it, I Here's the thing. Just on a quick aside, real quick. I, I, I was read, reading Rod Peterson's article and going on about the negativity, how everyone was trying to one-up themselves and make a joke of this game. You know what? It was a bad game. Let's leave it at that. Turn Honestly, it the negativity was really getting to me last week between the Argos' attendance, the Argos' ticket prices, this uh, game between Montreal and uh, Hamilton. And, you know, I saw a lot of people before last week's game calling the Hamilton Tiger Cats a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love the term dumpster fire. I'm always going to giggle at that. Is is that maybe what – were they just using that to be funny or were they serious? Because uh, against Winnipeg, the, the Tiger Cats had six turnovers. They lost by four. I, I know it was against Winnipeg, but your team's not a dumpster fire. If you have a backup quarterback and you <laughs> turn the ball over six times and you – can still have a chance to win the game once Caleros comes back. That team is Grey Cup contenders again. Well, let's all forget that Jeremiah Masoli is not exactly a, a, a great quarterback in, in my eyes. And again, 208 with an interception, no touchdowns. He was 19 to 27. Uh, CJ Gable has his best game of the year, 17 to 61 uh, with a touchdown. Uh, Tequan Underwood, 4 of 68. I mean, realistically, until Caleros is back, I would say. It's looking more and more like the only for sure fantasy play is Brandon Banks. Uh, Rakeem Cato, again, not a guy. You see some of the mistakes he's making. He just he reminds me a little bit of uh, Brett Smith. He just wants to turn and run with it. Uh, 203 through the air, no touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Vernon Adams Jr. gets in on this game, yeah. too. And can you, it looks like you're going, he was worth a first-round pick, eh? <laughs> I, you know what? I, until uh, Kevin Glenn looks like he'll be back, but I'm still not I entirely high on the, the Montreal Alouettes. I thought maybe they showed some flashes of brilliance, but they're just way too banged up right now. Deron Carter comes back, and apparently, thanks to a quirk, um, because he, his suspension appeal isn't going to take place till mid August, he will be in the lineup until then. Three for 50. I do think Chad Owens is still a good play uh, for Hamilton. He's getting 9.3 targets a game, but him and Massily aren't really able to connect. Uh, uh, there's only a 59.5% uh, catch percentage on his 37 targets, so he's, he's getting the volume. You have to think that'll get even better if he has the same sort of chemistry with Zach Caleros. Oh no, you're you're absolutely right. It's just it, it's going to be interesting to see if Caleros uh, has this dependency on veteran receivers, and he might not, uh, <laughs> and he he might not. He might go to the guys that that he's that he's comfortable with. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Hamilton is going to be a much safer play when Zach Caleros comes back. Uh, according to Drew Edwards, that will not be this weekend though against Edmonton. He will once again be on the sidelines. I do think it was interesting how much work that uh, C.J. Gable actually got. I, I thought if he had this same amount of work against Winnipeg last week or a couple weeks ago, that uh, he would have been, you know, he would have been one of the best backs of the week. But they throw yep. him up against uh, Montreal, who I think we can agree have a great uh, front seven, and he ends up having a, a decent game. Probably, uh, you know, uh, had that touchdown in there. So that, that definitely helps uh, a little bit there. The final game of the week. Well, it looked good at halftime for Ryder Nation, but things quickly fell apart when the godfather, Wally Buono, made his halftime adjustments. <laughs> Wally knows a thing or two. Jonathan Jennings uh, has his best game of the year by far. Three touchdowns, 429. I, I'm still, I'm like Derek. I still think he's a little too inconsistent. Anthony Allen, 11 for 61 and a touchdown. Allen, to me, is still the safe bet when it comes to when it comes to BC, but look at the resurgence of Sean Gore again. Six for 109. Keeping uh, it up. 
in Saskatchewan, Naaman Roosevelt, we've been telling you about him all year, 8 for 132. Uh, rushing the ball, I would be staying away from Curtis Steele at, at least for the next little while. Um, you look at the total rushing attempts by non-quarterbacks, the number is 7. Yeah, seven rushing it like straight up rushing attempts. If you take away what Mitchell Gale did on scrambles and so on and so forth, I think Mitchell Gale could be a dark horse pick if you want probably the cheapest quarterback of the week. If you're thinking you might be able to put up a couple of touchdowns, but that's a real high risk, high reward kind of selection. And I guess another thing to watch with Curtis Steele, uh, when Chambers had to leave the game, the Riders had to put Walter in because of the ratio. So if Chambers is out then Walter might start a few games for Saskatchewan. He might have to. They might not have another another option. So Walters almost becomes the de facto starting running back, depending on what they do lineup-wise. So keep an eye. Really keep an eye when that depth chart comes out at who's starting at running back for Saskatchewan. Again, I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not high on it, especially with those injuries with Brendan Labatt being out, Chris Best being questionable. you got uh, some youth along that line, some inexperience. Um, I... I don't know if I would be particularly high, even in ideal conditions, but it might be worth a try. Um, I just I would recommend against it. The Lions do win the game, forty to twenty-seven. Uh, what do you make of Jonathan Jennings? From where I'm sitting, it, it just kind of looked like he started the season almost trying not to be himself, if you know where I'm getting at. It looked like he was trying to run a little bit less, be a little bit more of a pocket passer. It it looked like he didn't have that same confidence and swagger he did last year. Last year, he was so willing to to run and just improvise and make things happen. And I think that's what made him so fun to watch. He hasn't really done that so far this season. No, and I think a big part of that is you don't want him to become a guy that's getting hurt a lot. You yeah. know that that the Godfather screaming his ear, hey, Jonathan, if you're going to run, you need to make sure you're running at the right time. And if you're going to run lots, I'm going to staple your ass to the bench. I, I feel like that's kind of how the conversation probably went. Now, I still think he's young and he's inconsistent. I think that's the best way to... I mean, you might get good Jonathan Jennings. You might get bad Jonathan Jennings. Our fancy stats guy, Derek Taylor, says more often than not, it might be bad Jonathan Jennings. Make sure you take a watch out for details. They actually did one on Jonathan Jennings and how he's not quite living up to expectations just yet. He's still... Uh, I'm st- I, I'd be keeping him if it's a year-long fantasy league, like a fantasy league. I'm staying away from him in Daily Fantasy only because the chance of seeing bad Jonathan Jennings is is out there. And next week, if uh, Nick Moore is unable to go because of that knee... Uh, well, it said, I read someplace he's out three weeks. Yeah, so we might see Geraldo, Geraldo uh, Boldovin come onto the roster for the BC Lions. He might be... Geraldo Rivera? Huh? <laughs> Ger- the you talk joking? show host, Geraldo oh, Rivera. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am not that dyslexic. <laughs> Come on. Geraldo uh, Rivera, you know, the, the mustache, the Fox News. Oh, the... yes, I know now. <laughs> okay, good. I was going to say, I'm not that much older than you. You better know that one. Let's wrap this dumpster fire up with the picks. <laughs> it's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter. Twitter at two and out CFL. Okay, okay. Now you're speaking of dumpster fires, Travis. This is appropriate. We get into the picks. Um, I'm go- just going to go. I'm going to tell you my record, and then I'm going to make, and then I'm going to start making my picks. I am five and ten on the year. Oh yeah, let's talk about uh, in in the Pickem group. By the way, our fantasy team in uh, the uh, the the CFL podcast fantasy league is doing. Awesome. We are. Well, of course, it is. We're we're undefeated. Yeah, something's gonna break this week because uh, we're up against the Eskimo Empire boys. Uh, we're both four and zero on the season. So, w- what are you gonna do with a two and zero podcast? Runs on you. Yeah, get ready for that, uh, Andrew. Just to prove a point, I'm not even gonna show up to West of Us this Saturday. Uh, whoa, whoa, why would you? Whoa, whoa! Isn't isn't he gonna co-host the podcast next week in my absence? We should maybe tone this down a little bit. Well, Flowride is at half. Halftime, man. I gotta watch that. That's fair. That, <laughs> wait, Flow Riders playing halftime of a random Eskimos regular season game? Yes, it's even gonna be on a. I guess TSN's gonna air the halftime show too. 
Are you going to go down to field level and try to find Pokemans? I will. Like during the halftime show, I'm going to be yeah. on the stage looking for. <laughs> you're going to be. You're just going to see a very large man, and uh, I'm assuming a rider's jersey. You just kind of come up side stage and wander aimlessly, and then fall off the stage. Just, I'm picturing this in my head, and I know it's me that I'm picturing, but this is awesome. Uh, now. No, when it comes to pick them, uh, I was like third in the group. Now I'm like 15th or something. There's 46 members. Uh, Crotch Racer is number one. Uh, well done on the username. <laughs> crotch Racer. Yeah. The He's cr- number the- one. <laughs> Like, how do you crotch race? I, I don't know. I, I do have you, no do idea. You lean, do you lean back and just l- go full tilt at each other? Oh, yeah. This is way too much of a dumpster fire now, man. <laughs> oh, this is completely off the rails. All right. Well, let's start with a game I'm going to be at. Okay. Um, which I would have, which, you know what? As a, as a neutral observer, I'm fine with it. I'm going to be at the Calgary Stampeders taking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this Thursday night and play me some dudes because there's no way the Bombers are going to win. You know what? I have a, I have this gut feeling about Winnipeg. No, again. you don't. Not again. I do. I, I feel like the injuries on defense in Calgary could be the end of them. You, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to play the dudes, and then I'm playing uh, some Watchmen because I'm going with Winnipeg. That, that's right. And we should mention too, we've gotten multiple requests on new artists for for Winnipeg, so we're going to roll them out a little bit. So I have to ask you, Phil, stop texting me and yelling at me. We'll get to the fight song one day. <laughs> Saturday, 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 Saturday night. I'll dream the Jets would get back the team and look why they got back the team. Hang on to me, so I'm a one of a million. All right, Friday Night Football, Red Blacks and Riders in Regina. It is uh, under the lights, and uh, those under under the light games in uh, Mosaic are always fun. I'm just going to say. because everybody is drunk. Yeah, that, that's the best part. I, I'm sorry. I'm just going Ottawa. It's that simple. I, I don't see the Riders winning this one at all. Can we? I'm also going Ottawa, but instead of Atlantis, can we find the old Friday Night Football theme? You know, the it's Friday Night Football tonight. I will do my best. If not, we will use your singing as the theme song. Uh, it's Friday Night Football tonight. Saturday, Eskimos home to the Tiger Cats, 5 o'clock, Flowrider, Pokemon, it is like the Grey Cup in July! (laughs) Except don't show up in a parka, Travis, (laughs) because then you'll be even sweatier. And now for the first time this year, because I'm quickly starting to realize my prediction and my bet with Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast is going all sorts of sideways... Uh-oh. Let's play the Eskimos fight song. I'm going with the Eskies. I'm going Eskies as well. We're cheering, fight, fight, fight on Eskimos. We're marching right, right, right on Eskimos. We're charging down the field for all to see. And shouting, rah, 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 fight on to victory. All right. Now, we don't have to wait until September for Monday Night Football. It is Argos. <laughs> look at look at the Argos taking that market by the horns. First Wednesday Night Football, now Monday, now Night, Monday football. Night Football. What's next? Tuesday afternoon at 3 p.m. football. <laughs> Nothing else is on. Let's be then. <laughs> let's, let's compete with European soccer. <laughs> and billiards on Sportsnet. <laughs> don't forget about darts. <laughs> And blo- and poker that always plays out of order and out of sequence, so we can't even follow the game because it's like one week it's like look who's the chip leader, then the next week it's like this guy's the chip leader, and by the way they're in a different city. Just play the correct damn episodes in order. I'm, I'm, 
if I want to watch a poker tournament, I want to watch the damn thing through to the end. Everybody else is watching Young and the Restless, and John Fraser's watching poker, and he can't keep it together. That's because I can't follow the storylines on Young and the Restless anymore. Who will <laughs> Rebecca end up with? Is there Argos. a Rebecca? I don't know. I don't even know. Uh, damn it. Let's just pick the Argos because we talk about dumpster fires. The Montreal Alouettes are an eye-infected dumpster fire. Let's play a game called What Will Jim Pop Challenge This Week? <laughs> <laughs> Our comments on this podcast. He will, he, will chal- he, will, he will show up in full attire to a Toronto Blue Jays game before. And first he'll chal- he'll throw his challenge flag over his strike call, and then he'll challenge throw a challenge flag over the relocation of the Montreal Expos, which then he will totally redeem himself, because that shouldn't have happened in the first place, and he'll win I the agree. challenge, and the, Ex- and the Expos will come back, and then Jim Pop will get to go that he's a genius again. But He'd be a hero if that happened. It might be the only thing he can do to become a hero, other than, you know, actually letting the dumpster fire burn itself out. <laughs> I'm going Argos. I guess that means poor young things. Can we kiss the sky? You get better red because you're too damn hot. But you can dance like an animal. That does it for episode 44 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. We're already in mid-season form, Fraser. We are, and right at this time, that's what I got to take a week off to put my feet up. All right, yes, Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast will be in John's chair next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to have uh, him on the show, especially after I skip West of Us this week and beat him in fantasy football. Oh, snap. Like on Facebook, follow on Twitter, tune out CFL, rate, subscribe, and uh, what download whatever you do on iTunes, <laughs> review, do the thing that lets bomb give us that that makes bomb give us money. Yes, we. Well, I will talk to you next week.